Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What is going on with the ACC and what could it mean for the Big 12? Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Charge On. As always, I'm your host, Sean Green. A quick word from our sponsors, BetOnline. BetOnline.ag is your number one source for all your basketball info, stats, news, and scores. Get the latest odds and lines, including the latest player reports for this year's pro basketball playoffs. BetOnline is always your sports information headquarters this season, as we have you covered for all your sports wagering needs. Basketball, MLB, NHL hockey, right to UFC and boxing. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info, including live betting options and your favorite casino and card games you can play right from your home. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Be sure to use promo code BELIEVE to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Guys, it's episode 50. We've made it through 50 episodes of the Charge On podcast. And for a majority of them, my good friend Nick Geddes has been on. Nick, it's been a couple weeks. I basically gave you and Rob a good couple weeks off. But you're back for episode 50. How are you doing? I know you just lost a softball game, so you're coming on after after an L, but it's good to, it's good to get you back on the pod, my friend. I was heated too when I got into this to this room tonight. Uh, I don't like losing. I don't like losing. I don't care if it's fun or if it's wreck, whatever. I cannot stand losing. I mean, you can ask you can ask my wife. Okay, the entire drive home, like a forty five minute drive home, I didn't really say a word. Did not say a word. It just you know what's funny now gets to me. Now, like people, you know what the big one of my biggest agitators is when people nowadays, like when you're an adult, guys. Obviously, we're not playing in the NBA. We're not playing Major League Baseball. When people tell me, "Hey, it's just for fun," like when I go play a basketball game and like I'm taking it serious, I want to win. I don't understand how people can play a game and just be like, "Oh, it's just for fun." It's like, why play if you don't want to win? Have you ever understood that? No, <laughs> I have never understood that. And I hate when you get out with a certain group that just wants to kind of like F around when you're out there, especially oh. during basketball. I cannot stand it because, you know, you know, we got to I, I got to be young. I got to try to be as young as we used to be. And this is the only competitiveness we have. So we need to keep it there. So, yeah, I'm very competitive and I hate losing. But enough of that, because we got business to talk about tonight. And, and I came on tonight because I know we were talking expansion and I love, love talking the expansion topic and we have plenty of it going on. No, it's good. And we actually, a lot of our viewers come for the expansion talk because most of our expansion videos are our highest on the channel. So we appreciate you. If, if you're new to the channel, we appreciate it and love that you want to hear what we have to say. Um, now it's in regards to the ACC, Nick. And I think our last episode I mean, we've had a couple episodes where we've talked about the Big 12 and Pac-12 and kind of that situation playing out. Obviously, it's been pretty quiet for the last couple months, right? The Pac-12 and the commissioners kind of keep pushing off the date. They're being very nice uh, to the commissioner of the Pac-12 saying, listen, we'll keep pushing this date. You just need to find us a good deal. 
Everybody doesn't know about that. The Big 12 still very interested in those Pac-12 teams and some other teams. We'll get into that today. But a report came out a couple days ago, which directly impacts UCF because it's going to dr- impact the Big 12 and potentially people in the state. So a report came out about the ACC that the Magnificent Seven, which is basically seven teams in the ACC, half of the conference, kind of hired some lawyers and some outside people to explore the grant of rights to see if there are any loopholes in this ridiculous contract that runs through 2036 to potentially get out. Now, Nick, with seven teams, if one more team's like, you know what, I want to get in on this action, you're getting the majority of teams that are like, I want to get out. We talked about it, and we're going to get into in depth tonight because they're, we want to look at all the teams and where these teams could potentially go. But we said it, that the ACC is a dead conference when that time comes. We don't know how long the ACC is going to be there, but we know at the end of the day that the cornerstones of that conference are either going to the SEC or Big 12, or Big 10, most likely the SEC. We said this conference is dead once those teams go because the conference is not competitive and it won't be sustained once those teams leave, which is why we said the Big 12 is in a perfect position. Let's get your takeout out front, right? What does this mean in the grand scheme of things? I know we both, I think, agree that nothing can happen with this contract. I don't know if these teams can just say, let's pay the the exit fee because it'd be way too much money. But... What does it say that these commissioners, or whoever it is, in the year 2023, a whole 13 years before this contract's supposed to end, is saying, we're looking at ways to get out? I mean, it's kind of just college football, the world, the way it is right now, the whole landscape. You kind of have to plan your exit strategy. And to your point, the exit fee, I believe it's around $120 million. It's estimated to be. And even with some of the bigger budget schools in this conference, like Clemson, Florida State, Miami's, you know, the North Carolinas, I don't know who's willing to pay that necessarily. But I mean, if you look at it just from like the money that these schools get from the ACC, I mean, it's valid why they want to get out. I mean, look at like a, a Florida State and a Clemson in particular, because those are the two teams that are on top right now in that conference and definitely have the biggest brands. They probably make up a majority of the the eyeballs that are going on that conference when it comes to football, right? And a majority of the revenue that comes in probably is from those two schools alone. Yet they're getting an even distribution as a Boston College or some other filler team in the ACC. So from their standpoint, I see the argument right there. I definitely see the argument. And I know FSU, FSU's AD has been very adamant about that, that it really doesn't make much sense doesn't make much sense at all and when you combine the fact that these schools in the sec and the big 10 are going to be making upwards of 30 million or more annually from these tv right deals then what the acc schools are going to get you kind of have to add that up year by year it's another 30 60 90 and so forth that you're just behind the eight ball and it makes it very hard to compete and when you're a level of those schools like florida state clemson and some of the others, it's just not going to work for you in the modern age. So I understand why they want to get out. But, you know, to your point, we're 13 years ahead of when this TV deal is going to end. And it's not like one of those situations where it's the Pac-12 where, you know, we're trying to figure out if they're even going to be on cable or not, or they're even going to be on a streaming service or whatever. It's not that dire, but they've got to find an exit strategy. And, you know, I know 
the ACC commissioner came out and said that he gets the feeling that these schools want to remain with the ACC. They just want to rework things. Um, because I still think the ACC at the moment, I still think, especially with USC and UCLA out of the Pac-12, I think it's the third conference still. I don't think it's the Big 12 because nobody in the Big 12 right now, take Texas and Oklahoma out of the equation because they're off to the SEC, nobody in the Big 12 has the nationwide reach and the brand that the top three schools in the ACC have in Florida State, Clemson, and Miami. So regardless of the fact that the conference is a lot of filler, I still think right now it is the third conference when you look at it from a brand and a national standpoint. So if they can rework these deals and try to figure it out and keep in the ACC, it might be beneficial there and we can keep that together because I don't know how many more teams the SEC wants to add at this moment. They've kind of said that they're good right now. And if you full-blown go all the way and you put the top four teams or these seven teams in the SEC, I think at that point, college football as we know it is dead. And you're going to end up with the whole scenario where you get two mega conferences. And I don't think that's great for college football personally. So I'm not disagreeing with you on the brand topic. I mean, when you do look at the ACC, I agree that Clemson, Florida State, hell, North Carolina, Miami – those schools' brands, I think, amass a good chunk of the brands in the Big 12 at the moment. The reason why I don't agree with you in saying that the ACC is still ahead of the Big 12 is simple as this. I know those schools are not going to be in the ACC at some point in time, and I truly believe the ACC is going to die, whereas the Big 12 has set themselves up in a way where they're going, their brands, and first of all, I look at quanti- or quality over quantity, right? If you took all the schools from the ACC and took out, so like, let's do it. Big 12, take out Oklahoma and Texas. Uh, ACC, take out all the schools that are probably going to be going to the SEC or Big 10. I take quality, and the Big 12 has quality, and I'm not just looking football. I'm looking basketball too. Big 12 has quality. And then you look at the ACC, and yeah, like you have, let's, we can look, Boston College, Virginia Tech. I look at quality and not quantity. So, though I do agree right now, some of the brands in the ACC are obviously at a different point. Because again, when you look at Clemson, they're on, in my opinion, the same stratosphere as Alabama. There's nobody in the Big 12 right now, take out Oklahoma and Texas, that have that type of brand. But unfortunately, the ACC screw themselves, and we've talked about this, and they put themselves in a terrible position because all of these contracts for all these conferences ran up at the perfect time where the ACC was like, we want more money now, so we're going to extend for a bunch of years. And now all these schools, and we can get into revenue sharing, Nick, because I understand where some of these schools are coming from. FSU's AD came out and said UCF's going to be making more money than us over the next X amount of years. How crazy is that? I understand that sentiment. The only issue I have is, and all this thing is talk, Nick, right? Like, the ACC commissioner, oh, we all want to come to a deal. That's ridiculous. We all know it's probably really nasty behind closed doors. Because if I'm the... If I'm the commissioner or if I'm the AD over at Boston College, do you really think I'm going to agree to take a majority of my revenue and give it to some of these top schools? Yes. Do they deserve it more because they bring more eyeballs to the product? Absolutely. 
But if I'm getting my revenue and I'm bringing money into my school, these other seven are not going to be like, you know what? Yeah, let's give another $40 million to Florida State and Clemson and Miami and we'll all take a lesser share to make sure we stay in. Because a majority of these schools will get picked up by another conference. And that's the point where I say, you can't, I don't think a revenue sharing dispute is going to work here. I get where Florida State and Clemson are coming, and I want your take on it. I get where they're coming from. But that's like saying for UCF that in five years, UCF will not go up in revenue. Like they're a new school now, so they're not making as much revenue as the founding schools or the schools that have been there. But I think even in the SEC, they all make the same. Because if you're in the conference, you should have the same revenue, regardless of the eyeballs. If you're in the conference, you're in the conference for a reason. So I don't think the ACC, regardless of who wants it to happen, it's not like the bottom feeder schools are like, yeah, we'll give them more money to stay. What's your take on that? Yeah, the the ACC kind of shot itself in the foot when they negotiated this deal and maybe that's on them for not having the uh, an eye for the future I guess of where things were going but then again it's tough it's tough to really bang on them because nobody really saw like the whole Texas Oklahoma thing which kicked off this whole I didn't see that coming I don't know who saw that coming I recall that just being a random day in the summer of 21 I believe it was that we got hit with that news and little did we know that was going to change college football forever. So I, it's hard to really kill the ACC for that. But then again, you kind of you made the decision, and you're kind of having to live with it at the moment. Uh, you know, in regards to the revenue sharing, maybe there's an argument to be there if you're the ACC and you see it now that the light at the end of the tunnel is that you're going to die as a conference, or you're just going to be you're not going to be any more prestigious as you are now. Uh, in the future with the way things are going. Is it more beneficial to cave in to the demands of these top schools as a means to to keep them in the conference? I mean, that's the only thing, way I could kind of, I could see it because I, I just know with how Clemson has put themselves in the national forefront, how Florida State has been there and now has rebuilt it up as well within the last year. And Miami, it doesn't matter what product they put on the field. They're just, they're always going to be a big brand. It, it to me, it just it feels like it's probably beneficial for the for the conference potentially to cave into those demands if they want to keep the conference where it's at now, or they can just let it die and let these schools go, and then you're left with potentially what seven mid tier schools. Maybe you pull you pull a full uh, a few from the AAC and you merge those conferences, but what is that even worth? What is yeah. that even worth at that point? And, you know, even the whole, the seven schools and in this magnificent seven that they're calling it, I was surprised too that you had Virginia and Virginia Tech in particular who were in there. I don't see the value of a, of a Virginia that much. Uh, I know as a basketball commodity, fine, but football runs the show and I don't recall the last time Virginia was very relevant at football. So I was surprised to see them in there and it's kind of same goes for Virginia tech. They've lost a lot of prestige with their football program in the last few years. Um, so I was surprised to see the seven schools who were put here. I was surprised to see that North Carolina would break away from Duke. Those two yeah, to that me always seems like a package 
and I don't like that. I mean, the whole the whole generality here is I just I don't like it. I don't like breaking up these rivalries and these schools that to me go hand in hand with one another. But again, it it's just a product of where we are, and you kind of have to just roll with it at the moment. Well, we'll go through all these schools because I I, I want to kind of map out if the ACC were to die tomorrow, where these schools would even potentially go. But to end the point on the revenue split, I get what you're saying. The ACC, knowing who's wanting to be like, uh, we need to make more money or we're going to dip, even though, again, we talked about the buyout. Like, I only see maybe two or three of those schools saying, yeah, we'll pay the buyout. I don't know if all the other schools would say like, yeah, sure. If I'm Virginia, I don't know if $120 million buyout is something that their board is going to be like, oh, hell yeah, let's do that. But I do think like the ACC is in a terrible position because it's like you have to cater to the schools that are bringing in the most revenue. But then you also have another seven schools who, regardless of how much revenue they bring in, they're still in your conference. So you have to figure out a way to cater to both where they're both happy but Nick, I don't know if there's a middle ground that will like that a you know Pitt will be happy with, and a uh, Florida State will be happy with. Like at the end of the day, Pitt's gonna be pissed that Florida State's gonna be taking some of their money away, and Florida State's gonna be pissed if Pitt it doesn't they don't get any of Pitt's money. Like it's a no win situation here, and that's why we talked about months ago where we're like. The path that the ACC is on is it's it's going to not be a thing in a decade. Like, we don't know when it's going to happen. We don't know how. We don't know who's going to make the first move. All we know is these teams are not going to be there. And at the rate of expansion and at the rate that it's basically a race to whoever can get the schools the quickest. It's like, if you take the schools from all the different conferences and put them into whatever your conference is, we'll see where everybody ends up. Because, like, it sucks because the, like, the non-Power 5 schools, we said, like, the American's not going to be a thing. In 12 years, all of the schools that are in the American that are of value are going to be poached and brought up to a Power 5 program, right? Like, we'll talk about Memphis. Memphis, who we talked about, saying, like, they are kind of next in line. They're a Tier 2 school for the Big 12 for expansion. So, it's like, these schools that are everybody knows are, like, up for grabs if people want them, it, they're the next in line. But, Nick, let's go through the ACC schools, all right? So, I kind of, I wanted your input because I've got, like, schools that are going to the SEC when it's available. So, I got Clemson, Florida State, Miami, right? I put North Carolina as a either way. I could see the SEC wanting them, but I could also see them going to the Big Ten. You know, kind of outwardly, I agree with you. Duke, I'm shocked that North Carolina would split from Duke. That's like, you know, the UCF-USF rivalry. It's like, okay, like it sucks, but it is what it is. Duke-North Carolina is like the best rivalry in sports. So the fact that North Carolina is like, yes, yeah, screw Duke. I get it's the rival, but it's like, you make a lot of your money on those games that you guys play each other. So let's go through the other list. I want to get your take on where you think these schools would go. Now, you can include the Pac-12. I don't think any of them will go to the Pac-12 because we all know that Pac-12 is probably going to die, and that's West Coast. So now they might want to go to the East Coast, but Big 12 included. Let's include the Big 12 and see where some of these schools could go. Louisville. Is a Louisville a Big 10 school, or where do you think Louisville could end up? If This is if the ACC was disbanding and dead tomorrow. 
I don't buy Louisville as an SEC school for one That's second. what I'm saying. I think Big Ten. I don't even buy them. Big Ten even seems Big. like a – of the three, I mean, Big 12. Big 12? Three, I'll take it. I, of the three, I think Louisville fits the Big 12 more. NC State. <sighs> Big Ten? But that I, it doesn't <clears throat> NC State in the Big Ten doesn't sit with me. Like, it is, I, like that that is a school that's like NC State still doesn't feel like a Big Ten identity for me. They no, don't have a, they, they don't they have feel a like a Big Twelve team. They feel like more of a Big Twelve team. So I, I'll spot them in there for now. Syracuse, <clears throat> uh, none of the above. None of the above. Wake. <sighs> I mean, that seems like classic Big 12, doesn't it? It really does. Boston College. Uh, None. None of the above. North Carolina. Tentatively, the SEC. Yeah, that's what I thought. Duke. I want them both together. But this is where this whole thing comes into play is I don't – I would never tell you that Duke is an SEC school. I just wouldn't would, do it. But that's the thing. I, I wouldn't either. But clearly in this scenario, they're going to be split up. And if they're split but up, I don't I, see them as a Big Ten school either. I don't yeah, see Duke I, as a Big, a big Ten school. If I split them up, I, don't, I think they're in that none of the above kind of, kind of a group. Oh, that'd be hard. Honestly – if it came to that, I think Duke would go to the Big Twelve because the Big Twelve would want him for basketball, like straight up. Like, yeah, yeah. Imagine Duke, Duke in Duke's the Big basketball 12. brand is one of the few basketball brands in the country where they could have some power there. So it would kind of that would be the kind of thing that would make it hard to put them in that none of the above category. I'm going to put them in the Big Twelve. Pitt. I think Pitt could go to the Big Ten. Yeah, the Big Ten. I was thinking of. A little bit. Yeah, I'll put him in the Big Ten. Georgia Tech's Big Ten, too. Little down there. Like, it's a little down, but I don't think you put them in, I mean, SEC? I don't I don't think you put Georgia no, Tech in the SEC. not for one second. Not for one. They're, see, I, some of these schools, they're just in the, they're just kind of in that middle ground. Like, they're, they're, they're in that none of the above range for me. I just so Georgia Tech, I, none of the above? I can't. I just cannot see it in any other ones. I, I personally All right. Can't. Miami, SEC. Yeah, that feels Obviously. so SEC. <clears throat> yeah. Virginia, big – I mean, I can't see them in the SEC. I don't. Big I 10? Don't, I don't know. Virginia screams Big 12 to me. They do scream Big 12 to me. Virginia and Virginia Tech both scream Big 12 to me. Like, on the map, they're Big 12. That, this is this is a hard exercise. This is a very hard exercise. This is why we do this podcast. Look at us. Because how many teams am I putting in the Big Twelve? Am I am I making a twenty we're team not, conference not, at this rate? Like, but we're not worried. That's the thing. This exercise is not meant to be like we can only have X amount of teams. We're saying if if this was going to end tomorrow, where would these schools fit? Like these schools, the some of these schools just feel way too – they just feel a little too small on the national level, in my opinion, to get into the Big Ten and the SEC. All right, so Virginia and Virginia opinion. Tech, big, big 12. If you had to pick one of the three, yeah. Okay, so going by that, 
We have three nuns, which would be Georgia Tech, uh, Boston College, and Syracuse. Those would be the three, none of the three. We have one, two, three, four, five, six schools going to the Big 12. And that's Louisville, NC State, Wake Forest, Duke, Virginia, and Virginia Tech. Big 10, you have one school for going to the Big 10, and that's uh, Pitt. And then the rest are SEC. So by doing that exercise, what I'm trying to get people to see, and first of all, I had no idea what Nick would pick, and even I was a little up in the air. But what we are headed towards, and it's very obvious, what we are headed towards is something we all don't want, but it's like, Again, the kill or be killed mantra. The SEC and the Big Ten are going to try to eat up every team of with any type of money invested in it. They're going to get every single big-time team. The Big Ten's going to get the, those guys right on the cusp of it. If they're good on the map, we'll take them. But we'll get all those other schools yeah, that the SEC doesn't under, want. Under that scenario that we just painted out, because then the Big Ten would be light from the teams coming over from the ACC, I think that's where you would slot Oregon into the Big Ten. Oregon and, and Washington. And Washington. The two from the Pac-12, I think from that, in this scenario, I think would go to the Big Ten to kind of round out that conference a little bit. And then obviously you would play with the rest of the Pac-12 a little bit. Yeah, and I think I think we've looked at the Pac-12, and I think we all agree the majority of the Pac-12 is probably going to go kaput. Like, they'll just go to whatever conference will accept them besides the four corner schools that the Big 12 wants. And we'll talk about that in I a mean, second. Do we, do we just make a hodgepodge of, of leftovers and make a new conference? Like, but But that's what I'm saying. Like, I think you could, but I think the problem is what I, I think a lot of these schools are looking for, and this is why it's it's a it's a race to whoever can get the, the schools at the time they can get them. Because it's like the SEC is here to stay, the Big Ten is here to stay. I think the Big 12 has done a really good job of positioning themselves as not just a football you know conference, but a basketball conference, a softball conference. They've really set themselves up in a really good way to be notable, where people are going to know the Big 12 name. Now, they might change the name, but... You're going to know the schools in the Big 12, and they'll be on the national stage. They're not as going to be as big as the SEC or Big 10, but you'll know them. I think what the Big 12 is doing, and we've seen it, all they're trying to do is beat the ACC in the in the Pac-12. That's all they're trying to do. Because if you're number three, guess what? You're number three. You're still in that running. Whereas if you're number five right now, you might as well just keep signing retirement checks because that's where you're going to be in about a couple years. So it's weird. I agree with you. Like, okay, obviously the Big 12 is not going to take six teams from the ACC and then four teams from the Pac-12. That's 10 extra teams added. They'd be a 22-team conference. Like, now, but let's be real here, Nick. That's kind of what it's looking like for all these schools. Like the SEC... Yeah, you'd have would three. Would it shock you if there are a 22-team conference no, in five you'd have, years? I think you'd, you probably would have three. I think the number would be probably 20. And you'd have three conf, three big conferences that are made up of 20 teams, so you get the top 60. But again, and I, I think, think, there's, I think an there's extra conference teams, will be made. Potentially. But even then, like I would like... To, I don't even know if it's possible, but like... I think we might have had this discussion before. Like when it comes to the SEC, do we really need Vanderbilt taking up a spot? Do we? No, but I mean, what are you going to do? Force them, like, 
force them to that's leave. It. That's where it becomes very difficult. I don't know. I don't know how easy that is to do. I don't obviously, even know. Yeah, I don't a, even know how you do obviously it. Obviously, there'd be a ton of pushback from Vanderbilt, but you know, I, I don't see where they add any value to that conference at the moment. I mean, maybe I don't know when the SEC negot like when their contracts up, but maybe it's a, th- a thing of like we'll pay you to leave, like where the SEC's like we will pay you a hundred million dollars to go find a new conference, and then a conference being like, okay, we'll take Vandy, like it might be something like that. I think. There definitely is going to need to be another conference or it's going to be like where the American gets saved because or the ACC is a thing, but all of the people that don't have a home just go to the ACC. Like it, it might be one of those things because all of these conferences are trying to do is just stay, stay relevant. And unfortunately, right now, all of the relevant teams in every single conference are just looking to leave. And that's why I think. Honestly, the reason the Big 12 is such in a good spot is because, listen, yeah, Oklahoma and Texas left, but nobody else is leaving. Everybody's staying sturdy. Nobody's like, okay, I want to leave too. If they left, would anybody pick them up? Probably not. But, like, I think there's potential. Like, UCF, I do think there's a potential, and I've heard rumblings of this over the last month, where they're like, UCF is on a meteoric rise. They're in Florida in 10 years, there is potential where people are talking about UCF as a team that could leave the Big 12. So it's like, the whole point of this is hopefully all of this craziness and BS that is happening right now, even though it won't make college football better and college athletics better, hopefully it creates the next breed of blue blood schools that in 20 years you can look at and say, Okay, UCF used to be this small little thing, and now it's a powerhouse. Kansas State used to be this small little thing, now it's a powerhouse. So, I don't know. But it's absolutely crazy that this is even a thing, that seven schools from a conference that has a contract till 2036 literally got together and said, let's find loopholes. That's insane to me. Like, that's literally insane that that is the world we're living in because you're upset about the money that you have coming in. That is like five to six times the amount that like a team in the American is making. It's literally insane. All because Florida State felt some type of way that UCF's making more money, which I understand. I understand how it can make Florida State feel. I understand. It's not your, you signed on the dotted line. It's nothing like, what are we going to do? Um, before we go, and before we go into my interview uh, with Jenna Basara from Believe in Softball, talking UCF softball uh, game tonight at seven, We'll talk really quickly about the Big 12 because there's, again, talking about that expansion. We're not going to beat a dead horse with this, right? We've talked about the four corner schools, Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, Utah, right, Nick? Like, if they end up leaving the Pac-12, if the Pac-12 disbands, those are the teams the Big 12 wants. They want the, the four corners. It's understandable. And if the four corners leave, it's probably because Oregon and Washington went to the Big 10. That will all happen very quickly. As soon as Oregon and Washington leave, I think the Pac-12 goes kaput. But it kind of got announced, and we already know about the Gonzaga potentially to the Big 12 for basketball and and all those rumors, but it got announced that they're kind of tier two. They're second tier that if they can't get the four corner schools for any reason, that they would be interested in UConn, San Diego State, UNLV, and Memphis. 
kind of what's your take on those four schools? Obviously, I know we both like UConn for the basketball reason. Again, it just makes the Big 12 like an almost impossible schedule in the Big 12. I mean, San Diego State also, in a way. But I think there's positive and negatives to all of them. But kind of what is your take on those Tier 2 schools if they can't get those four corner pack 12 schools to join? Yeah, you had it. It was UConn, UNLV, and then the two others. Memphis and San Diego State. Yeah, I think the there's three of them there that I think are very positive, and that's UConn, the San Diego State for sure, and and Memphis. I think those. I don't UNLV. I mean, unless I'm missing it somewhere, I don't see the the tremendous value there. It's the region. That's probably what they want. Just a region, I guess. But I, I feel like if you're getting San Diego State at least in that equation. I feel like that's good enough to kind of cover your bases there. I think UConn would be a home run in there from a basketball standpoint and even a football football team that's kind of coming around a little bit. They're bowl eligible. You get what you get from that, right? But it's definitely that – it's a national brand. UConn is a national brand, I think, on the back of their basketball program. So that's very desirable. Memphis, Memphis to me, it was wrong place, wrong time for them. If, if expansion was happening four years ago, Memphis would be sitting pretty in the Big 12 right now, not having a worry in the world. So, But I think Memphis has a chance to really end up being the top program at all levels, I think, in the current American. I think they have the chance to do that. And if they can kind of improve things and where they've been the last couple of years and they can, maybe the next two years they can turn it around, absolutely. I think Memphis would be a great fit for the Big 12. So I don't hate the possibility of bringing those on, but it's definitely a second option because I, I think Colorado would, with what's going on over there with Dion would be a home run to get that into the big 12. And then obviously Utah, uh, Arizona state and Arizona, probably in that order. Uh, I still think that's the best move to go. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think, I still think that you could potentially like, I know Gonzaga is on the table and I think they're just waiting I think the only reason Gonzaga hasn't been signed for basketball yet is strictly because they're waiting to see what's happening with the Pac-12. Like, they know their main priority is getting those schools in if it's a if it's even possible. And that's the thing: if you can get those four schools, I still think you can bring in UConn as a as a basketball school. Like, do I want the other sports? Eh, I'm good. If you can just bring in women and men's basketball, again. There's the rumors that the Big 12 wants to literally, in a couple of years, just sell off their basketball rights for their games. And I think that's going to be really lucrative. Like, I think there will be networks that just will buy Big 12 basketball. So, if you, even if you get those four corner schools, I think going after UConn and even Memphis, I think those would be home runs. Now, I think Memphis, you would have to bring on in a more full-time bring all the sports but UConn for sure if you can just bring them on for basketball I think that's a home run Um, but we'll see obviously I think a lot more is going to happen over the next month or two a lot coming out right now those summer months they're all trying to figure out what they want to do in the future this is when it happened before right this is when the schools are kind of trying to figure out how do we make more money where's the revenue going to come from what do we need to buy? I mean, UCF literally just requested like $150 million to speed up the athletic process to start building all this stuff in the athletic village. We'll see if Orange County, you know, approves that. 
but it's a race to stay relevant. And that race is pretty scary for some schools that, again, what better time for UCF to be in the position they are? Because I will say, if there's any schools that are pretty much not nervous at all right now, it's the schools that are in the Big 12, SEC, and Big 10. Because they know, okay, I think we're safe for right now. Now, who knows in five years down the line, but the two schools that need to be sweating bullets right now that aren't the top schools, right, are the ACC and Pac-12 teams. All right, Nick, I appreciate it. I appreciate you coming on as always. Uh, You are a staple of the show. Uh, It's been 50 episodes. Let's do 50 more. How about that? And obviously more than that, but, you know, I think getting through 50 was a hassle anyway. So I think we could do another 50 pretty easily. It's been a good good little journey so far. We started from from literally nothing and we're 50 episodes in. So let's do 50 more and then 50 after that. And let's make it a 200. We should make it a 200. And, you know, we got to get to 100 first. 100 first. Get to 100, and- but I feel like we'll be pumping out a lot more, especially when we get to we get to, to August. When we oh, get to geez. August to January. Yeah. We're going to we're going to turn up here a little bit. Yeah, you go back to our uh, two episodes a week schedule. I get. I bet you all can't wait for that. Just run us into the ground every week. All right. It's not over yet, guys. We've been going for about 30 minutes, but we've got 10 more minutes left for you. Uh, Jenna Becerra from Believe in Softball is here with us in just a second to talk about your UCF softball team as they face South Carolina tonight in the Tallahassee Regional. Should be a good one. Should be a tough test for our ladies at softball and we had a great conversation about it to get you ready for the game at 7 p.m tonight that interview starts right now welcome back to charge on that was great conversation with nick but now to talk some softball we have jenna becerra from believe in softball jenna i appreciate you coming on a lot of our fans that watch this podcast we've never talked softball so it's our 50th episode and we're getting some softball talk in uh, for a team that deserves it so thank you for coming on and how are you doing yeah, thank you for having me. I love it. It's a big milestone all the way around. Softball, 50th episode. I'm honored. <laughs> no, I, listen, I appreciate it. It's been a long road, a good eight months, but you know, you love to do it. We love talking UCF here. And um, it's a big, a big day, I should say, for UCF softball. I mean, uh, I will say Coach Bear has done a phenomenal job. Uh, we, we love her at UCF. She's one of the cornerstones uh, as coaches here at UCF. And she's really turned the softball team around. I mean, four years into it. Uh, she's really improved the program in all facets. Um, and it's a fun team to watch. Uh, last year, obviously, was one of the Cinderella years. I think we went 49 and 14, uh, went past the regional, had to play Oklahoma. That wasn't so fun. Uh, but there was a lot of bright spots with the program. This year, um, I think it's safe to say, and I would like to get your take on this, in my opinion, now I don't watch a lot of softball, college softball, but I would say UCF probably had one of the toughest, if not the toughest schedules in college softball I could go down the many teams that they played but I think ultimately they struggled early out in the year where some people were like oh it's not last year it's a completely different team but they've won 21 out of the last 24 Jenna so what's been the difference in these last 24 games that really have got this team going well, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, Coach Bear, Cindy Balmalone wanted to create that tough non-conference schedule early on for a few reasons. It puts you in a better position, like in theory, for the postseason. But also, it's like you're going to the Big 12 soon, right? And you want to kind of have those big-time, big-pressure games under those big schools as much as possible. 
And they are coming off of a very historic year last year, to your point. First regional win, first hosting, first going, time going to Supers. So let's build on that success by trying to push even further. So yes, they did have a pretty tough uh, schedule this year, but I think it's only going to bode well for them in postseason. And actually, their regional is probably one of the toughest in this postseason. And a large part of it is because of them getting picked to go to Tallahassee. I mean, yeah, looking at the matchups, if everything goes according to plan, you, you look at it and you're like, what a bad draw. <laughs> I mean, last year you get to host a regional, and that wasn't easy either. I mean, you get Michigan right out the gate. That wasn't an easy task. This year you get South Carolina to open up. Now UCF has had matches with South Carolina over the past couple of years. I think they're 2-3 and three over the last couple of years against South Carolina. They're undefeated in playoffs or in uh, the plays against South Carolina when it comes to postseason play. But, you know, how tough of a matchup is this? Does UCF match up well against South Carolina? Florida State's a whole other beast. We'll get to them in a second. But do you think this lineup can go out there and beat South Carolina tonight? I think both teams have momentum coming into this. And that's like what makes the postseason so fun. Like you said, majority of the the last 24 games or so, like UCF has come out on top and you have like them winning the tournament and, you know, Sarah Willis getting most outstanding player, like all of those things stacking up. But in addition, South Carolina, you know, as the number 10 seed in the SEC championship made a run historic on their end as well to the championship game in the SEC. So they both have momentum. So I think it's less about, um, who maybe on paper has what could be the winning, you know, traits. And it's more about who's going to show up on that day because both of them have the capability. But who will execute on the day? Anyone can beat anyone on any given day. Who's going to do it on that day? Now, Sarah Willis has been a bright spot for UCF, especially this postseason, the American tournament. I mean, she was phenomenal. How big of a role is she going to need to play for UCF? We know UCF has some big hitters. They can get on base. They score runs in, right? But how important is pitching going to be, especially against the South Carolina team? Huge. I mean, but at the same time, she has been somebody that they've relied on all year long in the circle. So it's not necessarily that her role is all of a sudden going to change or all of a sudden be bigger than it has been. She kind of just needs to keep doing what she's doing. And I have loved watching her career because I did cover her. You know, I call games for Pac-12 Network. I covered her when she was at Washington and I loved her change up. I love that she could hit as well. It's one of my favorite things in a player is having that kind of versatility. And so to see her translate so well in her move to UCF and just what she's been able to accomplish this season. Like I think she's primed and in a great position to just go out there and be successful. But I do think she just needs to keep doing what she's doing. She doesn't need to overcomplicate it. I think when we try to do that in the postseason, that's when we get in trouble. Now, Jenna, when I think about basically the powerhouses in softball, right? Mm -hmm. It's Florida state and Oklahoma. Those kind of seem like the same two teams at the top. One of those teams usually wins it. There's always, you know, any team can go out there and win, like you said, on any given night, any given day. Softball is one of those sports, right? Is it possible? Do you think that there's a team in this regional, if it's not UCF, it could be South Carolina, who is is Florida State the team that you just say they're probably going to make to the final this year? Is it this regional is tough, but listen, anybody can win. Is there a team that can beat FSU and is UCF that team? I think 
Yes and yes are the short answers. I do think, I mean, last year, you look just one year ago, Florida State didn't make it out of their own Tallahassee regional in 2022. Like that already was a surprise. We have surprises every single year. Three unseeded teams went to the Women's College World Series last year, and they all went on the road and had these huge upsets. There's no reason why you know, that won't happen again, at least in some of these regionals. And I do think Tallahassee compared to some of the other regionals has just the most even amount of talent in one place. And the fact that um, UCF has that momentum that I mentioned earlier coming into it, like certainly. And I do think that they have shown that they can also perform when it matters the most. You know, I, we hear all these awards being announced, you know, for the season, like all region and all conference and all that stuff. But really looking at how people perform when it matters the most in the postseason, when the pressure is on, we have seen UCF know how to do that and how to compete. And so I think they do have a chance to do it. I mean, South Carolina is going to be tough, too. I don't think anybody can be overlooked. But, you know, there's that familiarity aspect as well with UCF and Florida State um, being like not too far away. They're going to make the drive right over to Tallahassee. So I think anything can happen. Talking outside of the regional, you know, we are now getting primed and ready for the Big 12. That's that's the excitement around Orlando is that move to the Big 12. Obviously, the big dog in the Big 12 right now is Oklahoma. I mean, I was looking at the record yesterday and, and looking at some of their stats. I mean, it's amazing to me that a collegiate team can lose one game in an entire season. That boggles my mind. But obviously, Oklahoma is not going to be in the Big 12 for long. They're going to the SEC. Yep. That's good for them. In your opinion, over the next year or two, because UCF's making that jump over to the Big 12, who do you see as the big hitters in in softball over in the Big 12? I mean, I you obviously have to say UCF has a solid chance going from here into the Big 12. They kind of ruled the American for the last couple of years ever since Coach Bear's been there. But who do you see as the big hitters going into the Big 12? You know, I, it is interesting. And I generally speaking, don't know how I feel about these like quote unquote super conferences with Oklahoma and Texas going to the SEC, for example. But I think that UCF is in a really unique position, at least from the softball perspective, because they have been competing at what I would call a power five level. Um, and now they're going to get to automatically have some of that baked into their schedule. So for example, this year going to the regional, they're like the number three seed in terms of within that Tallahassee regional three out of the four teams that kind of won't necessarily be an issue anymore. Like they, they should be able to get at least a two seed because they'll have even more tough schedule baked into what they're looking at. So to me, I think UCF is in a really, really cool position. I mean, Oklahoma state for softball has been consistently good in recent years, especially making it to the world series several years in a row, like they're going to be, they're going to be tough. But I, I think that UCF also yeah. is going to, because of this move and because of a lot of the visibility that they've been getting playing on ESPN as well, they're going to be able to recruit even better too. And they've already, I think made some great moves even in terms of their staff, you know, having Jen Salling on as an assistant coach who has been there, won a national championship at Washington as a player, won the bronze medal for Team Canada, the first ever medal for Canada for softball in the Tokyo Olympics. Like she knows what it takes, not only to win, but to just stay with it, to stay with the grind and just let things play out and trust the process. So I think putting the right people in place like that is also gonna help. I, I really hope so. And I'm glad we're making that move because I know a 
complete different rival school would have taken Coach Bear last year. So I'm glad we're making that jump and gave her a good raise. And hopefully that <laughs> keeps her here for the long haul. I, I really hope so. Guys, tonight, 7 p.m., UCF takes on South Carolina. You don't want to miss it this entire weekend. It, it's softball heaven. So make sure you tune in. Jenna, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to watch the Knights this postseason. 100%. Let's hope for the best. <laughs> Guys, this has been Charge On, presented by Bet Online. We will see you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.